Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 142 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and damn it, I'm glad you're here today. My guest today is Ken Rabe. He is a founding partner and creative director at Rabin Co. out of Beacon, New York. Now, I was actually introduced to Ken by my bud Craig Valentino from episode 64. He runs a little freelance studio called Thank God It's Monday and is the senior designer at Raven Co. So thank you, Craig, for the intro. During this episode with Ken, we talk about how his three older brothers, quote unquote, forced him into drawing an artwork. It's not as bad as it sounds, but I'll let Ken explain that. Ken also tells us about the teachers that helped him build a portfolio to really get into art school once he decided that was the direction he wanted to go. He talks about hopping back and forth between large agencies and smaller studios and why he was uh, going back and forth there. He also tells us about the vinyl album cover artwork that really stuck with him and why. He also tells us about two agency designers that really helped him shape his likes and his style and sort of his design personality a little bit. We also talk about the printed silkscreen invite that had laser cutting that he designed that he was really excited to create and be a part of. He tells us also about the crossroad in his career where he was working just tirelessly on pitch design after pitch design after pitch design and what that did to him. Ken is so generous with sharing stories and lessons that he's learned. He's got plenty of experience to pull from. So ladies and gentlemen, let's dive into this treat of an episode. My wonderful guest, Ken Rabe. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Ken, welcome to the Quickie Podcast, sir. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. Hey, it's good to, for, good to finally chat with you. Yeah, no kidding, right? A face-to-face sort of meeting. That's great. Yeah. Um, are you ready for a quickie? I am 100% ready for a quickie. boy. Well, let's start <laughs> with the tough stuff. So briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Ken Rabe, and I run a small studio called Raven Co. We're based in Beacon, New York, which is about 60 miles north of New York City. Um it's in a it's in a tiny little place that is kind of budding with creatives. Uh, it's become a very interesting town over the past ten years. Cool. Um, the studio that I'm running, um, I'm lucky enough to be running it with three very close friends of mine: uh, Liz Birch, my creative partner and writer; uh, Lee Bauman, who is a project director; and Craig Valentino uh, is our lead designer. And um, honestly, I, I feel very fortunate to have them uh, uh, not only as co-workers, but as, as, as friends as well. That's awesome. So how long, and it was Ray Binco? Yes, Ray and how, and how long have you been doing that for? Uh, Ray Binco is going to proudly be celebrating their 10th anniversary or our 10th anniversary uh, this year. That's awesome. So big yeah. celebration plans then. 
Uh, we're still figuring it out. You know, <laughs> we're, we're not sure. We're not sure what's going to happen just yet. But, Maybe um, a little we, uh, Chuck E. Cheese is in order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it will be, there will be many drinks and uh, lots of good food involved for sure. Awesome. That's great to hear. So before that, what were you up to? What were you doing? Uh, before that, I was a graphic designer that bounced from uh, large agency to small studio, back to large agency. Um, I, you know, it was just honestly taking work as it came. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I was a full-time designer at a small studio called Flyleaf. Okay. And, and that's where I kind of uh, got all my design chops, honestly. Got it. Okay. And how long do you think you were sort of bouncing back and forth between studio agency, studio agency? Uh, about seven years. Okay. And that was, you know, a wonderful learning experience, honestly. Um, so the studio, so typically your studio would be smaller and then your agency is a lot more larger and corporate. Yeah, it that's just how it seemed to work out, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first came out of college, the first studio that I worked for, uh, I was the third person hired there. So it was very small, very intimate studio. Cool. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, and then I completely sold out and went to a dot-com about five <laughs> years after that. Um, and that was miserable. Um, but it paid better and it let me meet some new folks okay. honestly who then turned me on to some more opportunities and then from there yeah I, it was a small studio uh I, I mean here in new york there were tons of different agencies to go to so i'd finish one project and kind of get bounced to the next one um and that's just kind of how it happened for about seven years got it so definitely you had many different opportunities and many different design directions um just sort of learn and fail and learn and fail exactly yeah and you know we were speaking a little bit before but it, it was one of those things where i had enough friends that were kind of you know every couple of years people just move around in new york you know yep. nobody stays at a job for very long um so as my friends were kind of bouncing around they would just kind of take me with them mm-hmm. and i you know i i just feel like if you um if you work hard and you show up, you'll continue to get work. And I just stayed as busy as I wanted to be, honestly. Got it. Okay, so now I want to I want to go back and I want to sort of map out this path to sort of finishing art school, finishing design school, and bouncing around studio agency life. Yes. Um, so let's start at your childhood and give me the sort of brief rundown there. Do you feel you had a creative childhood and, and what made it that way? Uh, well... <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like I had a very creative childhood, uh, by choice. Uh, it was the one safe activity that I could do without getting beat up by my three older brothers. Nice. Um, you know, they were uh, quite a bit older than me. And so I felt oftentimes that I was, you know, an only child and that's not, that's not a sad statement at all. Honestly, it was just, they didn't really want to hang out with me. So I kind of got lost in the world of drawing, uh, building Legos and Lincoln logs and anything that I could do um, that kept me away from them. Definitely. And you know, yeah. when you get that right age gap between the older brothers and then the younger g- brother coming in, you know, it definitely is hard to sort of bridge that gap and, and connect, right? It is. And, and now, you know, there are three of my best friends. They're absolutely wonderful people. Uh, but growing up, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I i love all three of them they're, they're wonderful okay so 
drawing, lots of art was your younger sort of as your, your entertainment, not being able to connect with your older brothers. Um, uh-huh. And then what was sort of the next stages that pointed you in the direction of design? Well, you know, in, in my high school, uh, when, you know, fast forwarding to high school, mm-hmm. um, again, it was just very basic art courses. It yes. was water, watercolor, still life drawing, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I was heavily involved in athletics in high school. I was playing baseball and running track and playing football. Um, and then at one point, honestly, a teacher pulled me aside, an art teacher, and told me, you know, she wanted to break the news to me that I was not going to play first base for the New York Yankees. <laughs> um, and she told me that I should start thinking about art school. And through uh, some help uh, with her and another art teacher, they helped me put a portfolio together and then sent me to FIT, uh, which is the Fashion Institute of Technology uh, in New York. Uh-huh. And it was the only school that I applied to. And luckily I got in. Very cool. So these two teachers really helped you develop this portfolio to get you into art school. Yes. And they, they introduced me to a term. I'm going to date myself probably many times during this podcast. <laughs> um, but they introduced me to a term uh, or an industry called commercial art. Yes. And, and those, those first couple of projects where I was marrying image with copy um, and even doing some early corporate identity work, um, that's honestly where I feel like there was a shift in interest for me. I got got away from drawing, which I loved to do for my entire childhood, mm-hmm. and moved into a place where I was just really starting to explore what identity was and and how putting that over imagery, um, all of that just instantly became interesting to me. Interesting. Okay. So these two teachers, they suggest to you, maybe art school is your thing. Um, So before this, had you noticed design out in the world or was this sort of the first like light bulb moment where like, oh, all of these things are design? Uh, It feels like a light bulb moment, but honestly, looking back, um, you know, I, I think probably at the age of six or seven, Mm -hmm. I do, I do remember pulling, um, vinyl out of my brother's vinyl cabinet and you know and there was just something about the artwork I would just get kind of lost in that world you know um, as long as I didn't ruin his records I could look <laughs> at them um, but very early on it's funny I think one of the first pieces of identity that I noticed was the Van Halen logo all right on yeah and of course I would draw that you know hundreds of times um, but there was also this piece of artwork, and I think it was the first conceptual piece of artwork that I ever came across. And it was from, again, dating myself, the band Boston. Um, it was a series of floating guitars over a planet. And, you know, within the guitar, above the guitars, and each of them, they were spaceships, and they had cities on top of the guitars. Oh, cool. And, you know, and so I looked at this, and I was just like, oh, I get it now. And then I later learned, much later, is that Paula Scher, who's a partner at Pentagram Design yeah. here, who, here in New York, who's done a, a bunch of amazing work, was actually the person who executed that album. Oh, her. no way. Yeah. And she's she's a hero of mine. So it was just very interesting that at such an early age, um, that was like the first that was the first image that I think that I was really drawn to. Oh, that's so cool. So then that would definitely stand out as probably the most influential design of your life so far that you've seen and it's just really stuck with you. I think so. Um, you know, I 
I'm not going to lie. Every time I see that album cover, I, you know, I have a soft spot for it. Um, I, I honestly think a lot of my design work is based off of nostalgia, honestly. That's cool. It's yeah. such an important, um, you know, emotion you could almost say about it. Yeah. And I, I had a neighbor who had a, a collection of antique bottles, you know, mm. it's like a, an, an apothecary almost in his basement. And he, you know, sometimes would show me this collection of bottles and I just completely fascinated by the labels and the pressed glass. And, and so honestly, I think about all of these things and I think that was uh, early on, it was feeding me, but honestly, now I, I, uh, am only, you know, I can't be thankful enough that, that I had those opportunities as a child mm-hmm. to, to, see, to see these kinds of things, because I still feel like I'm drawing on this stuff today. It's just, it just sticks with us certain things, right. That we see, yeah. um, you know, I'm a, you're just sharing my age a bit now. So I was a like nineties is my time. That's when it all sort of came to life. So, you know, you were into the vinyl covers in that sort of design. Me, it was CD covers, like CD yeah. jackets and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's funny as I've gotten older, now I'm looking back at vinyl and going to, you know, old vinyl stores and I'm going into yeah. um, antique stores, you know, in little, areas around where we live and I'm looking at just old design, vintage yeah. design and vintage labels. And I love it. I just love all of it. Yeah. I, I you know, I'm so happy that vinyl lives on. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of CD design out there that I, I thought was absolutely wonderful that, yep. that I saw after school, but there's something about vinyl, the, the size and the format that is, is such a turn on for me. Oh, and, and, you know, and as far as like, you know, going to antique stores and stuff like that, like the unintentional, uh, unintentional beauty of those labels, just serving a function, very straightforward, uh, the use of one or two typefaces, a single color, all of that kind of stuff. Um, just it still drives me crazy in the best possible way. So do you ever find yourself smelling it? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> this is crazy. It's funny that you say that. I don't have a sense of smell. Really? Oh, okay. My <laughs> wife thinks I'm nuts because I'll take, I'll find like old vintage stuff and you know, just give it a good smell, and you can just it just enhances so much more of that nostalgic experience. Yeah, I my my girlfriend has a very keen nose, and mm-hmm. she can tell me all about it. But I, for the life of me, can't smell it, and it's awful because people tell me that pro- new print projects smell amazing. Yes. That- that, that new books smell amazing, and I sadly don't get to share that with everybody else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. You know, you just see things a little bit better than everyone else, yeah, right? So that's you've exactly. got one weaker sense, one stronger sense. I get it. Right. Um, Ken, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? What about them do you like? Oh, man. Well, I, I just have to say, uh, before we get through this podcast, is that there was a designer, my mentor, uh, Arch Garland, mm-hmm. and uh, Anita Merck. Uh, they were the founders of the first design studio that I ever worked for. And they turned me on to everything, the kind of food that I like nowadays, what I like to drink, um, the kind of chairs that I like to sit on. Um, we, we were working in a building on, uh, Broadway and Houston in mm-hmm. New York city. And that building just happened to house some of the m- most amazing designers, in my opinion, uh, of that time. And I got a chance to be, you know, exposed and to meet 
most of them. Um, and there was David Carson had a studio there. Uh, Jonathan Heffler, who was an amazing type designer, um, he had a studio right next door to us. Barbara Glauber, all of these people, they were all just absolutely killer design uh, designers. And I just got a chance to meet all of them. So they were my early heroes for sure. Mm-hmm. And now, honestly, I would have a tough time uh, telling you who uh, my current favorites are because there's just so much design out there. And and it's hard to keep track of the names. I, I feel bad for saying that, but um, it doesn't, you know, I, that I'm not jaded by that, mm-hmm. honestly. I, I just feel like there's a lot of interesting work coming from a lot of interesting places. And, you know, in the 90s, like getting out of college, and, and it didn't seem to be, you know, we just didn't have that kind of exposure. We didn't know what was going on in Nebraska or South Carolina, you know, it was just what was happening in New York or next door. Now that, you know, there's sites like Dribble and Design Inspiration and all these, it's like you can, you just, you're just flooded with good design work. And, it and cracks and open that. the world of design, right? Yeah. And, and, and I love that, you know, it's, it's, it's great when you're looking for inspiration for projects. And honestly, like, I just think the world uh, we're very lucky to be living in a time where I feel like design is solving a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And then, and I feel like more people are looking to design than ever before. Um, so I don't know, in some way they're all my heroes. If you're getting up every morning and doing it, then that's great. I love it. I love the way you worded that. You know, if you're getting up and you're doing it, that's huge props to begin with. Yeah. And, and, you know, whether it's design or not, it's, it, it's the same for me, honestly. I do, like I said, I, everybody in my family, uh, I come from a very blue collar family mm-hmm. where um, everybody, you know, swings a hammer uh, <laughs> for a living. And yeah. and when I, you know, decided to be a designer, my brother told me that I was going to be the first rave to use my brain and not my back. <laughs> um, I like that saying. Yeah, I do too. But but honestly, I, I just think that if you, if you're getting up and doing it, then. And, and you're good at it and you love it, then that, that makes me happy. Perfect. Um, Ken, the next question I want to ask you is about print and print design. Um, yes. I'd love to hear how you have utilized print in your design career. And, you know, do you have any stories about print or packaging that you could share that you're really excited about? Well, I... You know, because of you know when I entered the the workforce, uh, print it was still heavily a print world, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love that. You know, it, again, getting back to vinyl or CD packaging, whatever it may be, um, just getting your hands on it and and feeling it, um, even though I can't smell it, you know, if, it feels good, and I absolutely love print, and I feel like it's still very important. Um, I've, I've always pushed for a print aspect of any project and I love the fact that, uh, letterpress is still so popular Mm -hmm. and there's, there's probably more people doing that now than there have been in the last, you know, 40 years. It came back Uh, hard. It did. And, and I love that, you know, it's, um, I think that at a time where everybody enjoys all the benefits of a digital world, um, you, the fact that there are still pieces out there that you can feel and, and, and touch and feel the impression on the paper. Um, those are the types of things I, I think they're so important 
that they still exist, you know. And so I'm, so I'm happy that those types of industries are actually thriving at a time where digital is also thriving. Definitely. Yeah. Um, is there any specific print project that you've done that really stands out for you or you remember really well? Maybe a press check that just changed your life or something? Uh, I There's plenty of press checks that have gone wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what they're there for. But, sure. Um, but, you know, but there's also... Uh, certain people that I like to work with out there who get it right every time. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, there was, there was a project that I worked on a a few years ago, uh, for a company called Milson and they're based in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was a laser cut invite and it was the first time that I had been introduced to laser cutting. Um, and we also had a chance to silk screen. Um, and it ended up, you know, that we also designed a field note style notebook to go along, uh, to, it was a guide for this event that we were working on. Cool. And, and honestly, that project to use so many different types of methods of print, um, or, you know, to get this piece put together, honestly, it was, uh, incredibly exciting for me. That's cool. What was the company called? Uh, they're named Milson. Milson. Okay. Yep. And they do, um, they're called Milson Technologies. They do all different kinds of uh, work. It's um, in the AV world, like home um, tech integration. Um, they're amazing. And and the guy who runs it, Richard Milson, is uh, one of my heroes because he was our first big client at Ravenco. That's cool. From Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. are the odds of that? I know. Uh, by He met my business partner, Liz. Uh, he met her brother at a trade show in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had done a bunch of trade show work for him, uh, collateral and, and some booth design. And Richard Nelson fell in love with it and called us the next day and said that he wanted us to do all of his design work. That's awesome. And yeah, and we're still very close friends today. And I'm very, very thankful for him. He's the reason that I'm probably sitting here talking to you today. That's amazing. I love those yeah. stories. I love that. Yeah. Um, so Ken, the next few questions I have for you, take you down <clears throat> the part of your career where you likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out of you. <laughs> so, but uh, I promise I'll turn it around uh, in the end. We'll end in a happy yeah. spot here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, right? You always want to end up in a happy spot. Exactly. Um, so, you know, Yes. Sorry, I was just going to go, I want to start it off with the sort of the tip of the iceberg, which what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Uh, Well, there's, you know, I've been at it for quite some time. So there's, there's been lots of ups and downs for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, But there was a time right before starting Raven Co. where I just kept getting pulled into pitches for ad agencies um, and working a lot of hours Mm -hmm. and producing work at such a rapid pace um, just to get it into pitch mode. And honestly, it it just, it just felt like a machine. Um, You know, then you you get the, the presentation together and it just gets sent out the door and, you know, uh, you had no idea how the pitch went. It just got very quiet in the agency. Uh. And, and then you, you know, find some time to sleep. But, you know, it, it just turned into a situation where um, you lose enough of those pitches and you, you win one and it feels great. But if you lose enough, the hours and the effort and the, the, the chaos that goes along with those types of pitches just 
it just burned me out, honestly. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it, I, I've really got to a point where I started to ask myself exactly what kind of work that I want to do. Uh-huh. And this just happened to be lining up with a time where I was also getting a bunch of phone calls from other people who wanted me to design projects uh, because they liked my personal work. And so I just found myself at a crossroad. I had to, I had Interesting to timing, right? Yeah, I had, I had to choose between making some really good money and just getting burnt out at, you know, at any ad agency that called me mm-hmm. or, or taking a breather and thinking about the fact that I'm getting a lot of attention with my personal work and what could that turn into? Mm-hmm. And so I would say that it, it, it wasn't a low point. Honestly, it's in the end, I feel very lucky to be doing this for so long, but it, it was definitely the most challenging where I, I had to make a choice and that it just so happened that my business partner, Liz, um, she had kind of hit, you know, a point at, uh, in agency life where she wanted to change. And so we looked at each other and just like, well, maybe we should start a studio. Maybe that will give us a chance to have a little bit more say about what kind of lives we're going to lead and uh-huh. what kind of personal time we're going to allow ourselves and also get some face time with a client. You know, isn't yeah. it great how these some of these things start so nonchalantly hey, you know, why don't we start a studio? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and, and looking back, you know, it's it should have felt terrifying, uh-huh. you know, it, it, and maybe there was a day or two here, you know, it, that, it, that it was. But honestly, um, I remember reading a very short article and it said if you're going to start a studio or any, you know, any business uh-huh. is your first hire should be somebody that you are not. Perfect. And, and, and that was it. Honestly, I, I love to read, but you know, um, this was a very short story, thankfully, or a short article. And it just, it was the most helpful bit of information I could have ever come across, honestly. And I looked, and I looked at Liz and she can write and, you know, she can draw if she has to, uh, incredibly creative. And she also just thrives on client calls and she can put a proposal together and she can get into a room and present and it just seemed like a perfect place for me to like live an illustrator, create all day long, help, have Liz help me organize thoughts and put presentations together, um, and also just really help me present. And and like I said, she can write too. And so mm-hmm. it just started to make sense. She was she was so good at everything that I was not good at, honestly. That's such a great compliment, you know, be, having somebody that compliments your style so well when yes. you start up and how important that was. So she really was able to come on board and just take over sort of that sales, um, you know, business admin sort of stuff right off the start. Exactly. And I, she's so incredibly good at it. And what I've learned is that we both have very different styles. I'm very laid back. I'm very mm-hmm. mellow, very mellow, very soft spoken. Liz is full, you know, full of kind of a wild energy, uh-huh. but, but so whip smart. And so we play off each other very well. And, and I think that clients um, or potential clients instantly like her. And they also like the fact that I can kind of hang back and confidently talk through a lot of the design work. And so I, I just think that we make a great team. That's awesome. Such yeah. good advice to finding somebody that compliments you. Yeah. Um, Ken, I want to break it down a little bit further now, and I'd like you to take us to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Take us to that story. 
Um, well, I touched on it. I touched on it with the last question. It was definitely pitch mode. Uh-huh. Um, you know, ad agencies are, are interesting. It's They offer you very attractive projects that are, uh, you know, a lot of high visibility, um, you know, uh, big budgets. And that stuff is definitely attractive. Uh-huh. And I, I am not slamming ad agencies, believe me. Like, they have given us a lot of work, and I'm grateful for it. But the dynamic of those kinds of, uh, of larger companies, I just – I've always liked the smaller situation, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, you know, pitches or just the amount of work that was going into um, every client that I had uh, or was a part of a, a team that was working for a specific client, the ratio of work that we were trying to get made versus what was actually getting made mm-hmm. um, was very low. And and that that hurt, you know, it, it, of course, it's like you feel like you're loaded with good ideas and you're working a lot of hours and and you 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 think that you're gonna blow the minds of the clients and and honestly you just have somebody who comes back and said well it's like strategy wasn't quite right or it's a little off brand or they're just not going to go with it there was just a long series of those at the agents you know the agencies that i was working at and that that was tough you know and but but also during this time, you know, like like you said, you wanted to bring it back to a happy place. Uh-huh. Is that during uh, during this time? Is I think when you meet your closest friends and and people that you will learn to want to work with in the future, uh-huh. and and that's exactly what I pulled from all of those experiences. Um, there were there were definitely um, plenty of projects that didn't print quite right or just didn't get signed off on, uh-huh. um, but you just kind of roll with them, you know? And, and honestly, the fact that I could leave an agency with two new friends, it would give me work or I could pull in on for, you know, a a new project. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like to spend a lot of time thinking about the failures. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I, I, I like thinking about, um, all of the good that I could have pulled out of each experience. Definitely. Um, Ken, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? (laughs) um i I would say management manage management of of another designer and 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 you know because craig uh who you've spoken to craig is a killer designer Uh and um and we brought him on because we needed the help and he's been absolutely wonderful um but when I say management, it's not just of, of Craig and, and, and what type of designer he is, because I want him to have all the freedom in the world. Uh-huh. Um, but it's more about just, you know, keeping Raven Co. as a studio where people want to show up to. Uh-huh. Um, even, even on their worst day, I, I still want them to feel like the, play, you know, the studio is a place where they can come and, and do good work and be surrounded by good friends. And so it's... It's been a real learning experience for me to um, watch the studio evolve and be mm-hmm. part of that. And also the demands of my job, um, whether that's, you know, a creative direction on a project or getting past design for design's sake and getting into bigger questions about solving actual client problems and mm-hmm. not just not just trying to make them look better. It's a strategic um, design. Yeah. And, you know, in a small studio, you're wearing a lot of hats, you're, you're writing, you're editing, you're reaching out to people, you know, who are doing um, 
promotion work because you don't do it or a photographer who's got to shoot your stuff because you don't have in-house, you know, uh, you don't have those options. And so just kind of managing all of those kinds of aspects while making sure that it's, you know, a solid place and a safe place and a happy place for my employees to come to. <laughs> um, that's, that's the biggest challenge, honestly, yeah. you know, and, and also just, Flyleaf, the first studio that I worked for, just set such a high bar. It was such a wonderful, rewarding place where I learned a lot. Um, that first small studio that I worked for, I never let go of the idea of someday I want to have that. Mm-hmm. And, and and now that I do, I, I want to make sure that I um, treat people the same way that I was treated. you know. And, and also like stay open to the fact that they are whip smart and cool and funny and you know me i learn i learn something new every day awesome yeah good one okay i'm turning this bus around and (laughs) ken i want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of one that just makes your heart sing uh i'm gonna have to say raven co is that is that okay? I know that hundred percent is okay. I've, I've listened to I've listened to plenty of uh, episodes, and I know that there have been certain designers who answer that. But but honestly, it is um, the longest ongoing project of my design life uh-huh. uh, at ten years. But it's also, like I said, constantly evolving, um, changing, and honestly for for all of the things that i just told you were challenges uh-huh. i i think are also uh incredibly rewarding you know having a chance to have client time to have client relationships where where they trust you and they keep coming back to you for work uh-huh. um you know that i'm proud of that I, I i don't think we've ever made a cold call honestly i think that all of our work has come from word of mouth uh, and, you know, recommendations. And I'm very proud of that. And it's just, um, it's a very interesting thing to do every day, honestly. And it does, it does make my heart sing. And like I said, the chance that I, uh, that, that I get to do with three really good friends that mm-hmm. we can go out and, ha- and we go out and have a beer on a you know Wednesday afternoon. If the, if the workload is light, honestly, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's more, it's more than I honestly could have expected out of, you know, this design career. That's awesome. I can tell you're speaking right from the heart and you're really excited and and passionate about that. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that there's, you know, that I feel like we're just getting started in a lot of ways. That's exciting. I'm not burnt out the way that I felt 10 years ago. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I feel uh, happy and inspired and interested and engaged, you know, all of those things. I I, I truly feel that way about um, my company and and my work. Awesome. Ken, you've reached the part of the show for the ask it forward question. Mm -hmm. This is where I have a mystery question for you from the last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So, <clears throat> saying that my last guest was Ben Muttershead from London, England, and he works under Ben designs brand strategist and designer. He's done some cool stuff and he's got some cool stuff cooking. So in his story, his does junior design role had been become redundant twice and he quit somewhere once 
and Mm -hmm. has many times been at the point where he feels he's about to get fired or should quit and is sort of questioning the career path or is, you know, worried about their financial security and what to do in that, in that spot. So he wanted to ask, what would your advice be to a designer who's in that spot? I, that's a, that is a tough question, honestly. Um, I want to believe that if you're not being rewarded by the work, uh, if you're not inspired by the work that you should create your own work, Uh um, and find interesting ways to do projects on your own, to build your portfolio, to get Uh you that next job. Um, I think it's always good to share portfolios, reach out to fellow designers, keep those conversations going. Um, because even if it doesn't turn into something, it just, it keeps you good at talking about yourself and it keeps you, uh, thinking about how you're working and what you're working on. Mm -hmm. And, and it'll probably help you define what you want to do next. Um, you know, financial situation, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a tough call, but luckily, um, if I was, you know, hurting for money, there, there just seemed to be a freelance project waiting for me. And I feel very fortunate that that was the situation, but there were times where things were thin. So it was get home from agency world seven or eight o'clock at night and freelance until two in the morning. You know, I just think that, I think that in the end, um, work ethic wins, you know, I, I, I think that it's about working hard and staying open. Um, and, and maybe, you know, if, if it really gets tough, uh, accepting work that may not be perfect for you, but gets you through the, the, the rough patches. So it takes the worry um, and, and, and the burden off your shoulder. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, there are projects there. There are clients that, you know, give you a baseline that may or maybe not handing you the most inspiring work in the world, but you, that doesn't mean they're not important, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think that it's, it is. It's about keeping conversations open, meeting as many people as possible, and giving your chance for all different kinds of giving yourself a chance for all different kinds of opportunities. I love it. Yeah. Ken, what is the question that you would like to ask my next guest? <laughs> oh man, I have I have a bunch of them, but uh, how about this one? There's the I absolutely love movies and I love music, uh-huh. um, and so. I want the next creative to imagine a movie, the you know, a movie of their life. Um, maybe it's an opening scene in a film. There's a shot of them heading to work, getting to their desk, putting their coffee down. During that entire scene, what the what what's the theme song? What's your song <laughs> that's playing? What's your song and 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 why? I love it. <laughs> Oh man, you got me thinking now. Ken, what is what's your theme song? What is the theme song to your movie? That opening scene where you're heading to work. Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. I mean, there's there's a bunch, but just I, there's something about Eye of the Tiger. Um, it was from Rocky Three. Yep. You know, it, it was a, a, a very interesting time in my childhood when that movie <laughs> came about. So it has to be that. Okay, mine would be Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. And I wouldn't oh. just be playing through the whole thing. I would be singing and acting it out the entire commute. 
That's a, even walking into the office with the guitar solo. You've got a you've got a long commute. That's all. <laughs> awesome, Ken. That is a great ask a Ford question. I am very much looking forward to asking the next guest that question. You've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast, Ken. Thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome connecting. Dave, thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Ken Rabe from Rabe & Co. out of Beacon, New York. If you have not had the opportunity to leave a rating and a review on iTunes, please head over and do that now. I love seeing them stack up. They're helping new people find the podcast. I'm getting new emails from people who are just coming across it uh, because of reviews that are building the ranking. So I really appreciate everybody who has put a rating and a review down. And I appreciate you for investing the time to listen to these interviews with these brilliant, talented creatives. Thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.